Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. You know, most of life is, uh, everyday life is filled with judgment calls uh, that require careful, nuanced decisions, and sometimes they just seem too close to call, don't they? Uh, we all have to make these, and, and so much rides on these calls. Not many of us are facing the really easy calls like a, a Ten Commandments issue. Anybody facing a Ten Commandments issue right now? You know, like, you know, thou shalt not murder. Anybody in the, the throes of decision over whether or not we're going to commit murder? Probably not. Probably not, at least maybe not in our, our neighborhood. But we're all facing judgment calls regarding our children, regarding our the quality of our marriage, our how we manage our finances, uh, our health, uh, our uh, uh, our spiritual life, our, our friendships, our career—you know, big projects on the on the job—we're we're all facing those. And uh, what's in the hangs in the balance is that uh, the choices we make will either bring life or maybe bring death. I mean, you know, dark times are good. It's just hard to know what to do and. These require wisdom. Requires great wisdom. The wisdom of God, we believe. Now, we've already been describing these past four Sundays the wisdom of God as revealed in the Scriptures. And we've defined it as, as, as the knowledge and ability to live in a way that pleases God. And that, that's the simplest but most powerful definition. The, the knowledge and ability, the wisdom and the skill to live in such a way in every realm of life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, vocationally, to live in a way that pleases uh, God. Uh, and so we've discovered that wisdom, as defined in the Bible, when we see it, we see that it, it pays attention to the world and the created order according to the way God created it. It acknowledges that God created the world to operate in a, in a certain way. And wisdom humbly opens itself up to the warnings of God, the corrections of God, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God. Uh, wisdom acknowledges God as Lord and Savior, our Lord and Je Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and worships Him uh, with awe and respect on a daily basis. Um, wisdom adapts. Wisdom obeys. Wisdom adjusts uh, daily living. Wisdom sees a situation and immediately can recognize all of the moving parts and understand what's going to happen with wh whichever judgment is, is made to see what the outcomes are and then makes the right choice, takes the right action. Uh, wisdom swims with the current. Wisdom, uh, Pastor Ray Ortland in his little book on Proverbs wrote these words, a wise person notices. But notices what? Everything. A wise person notices. A wise person picks up on the clues. A wise person cuts with the grain. A wise person tears along the perforated line. A wise person notices 
these things, the way God designed them. And so the question would come, well, that sounds great, Pastor. How do we get that wisdom? Well, that's our big question, isn't it? And that's the big question that we are seeking to answer as we together as a church family walk through God's book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, uh, over this school year. We're going to take most of the school year, probably all the school year, to walk through this because wisdom does not come quickly. No one is born with it. No one's born knowing these things and understanding the complexities of life. Uh, we all have to, to gain it. So we're going to take the time together with God to go deep and come out on the other end a much wiser individual and couple and family and, and congregation uh, together. So today we're going to go to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. If you'll turn in your Bibles or open up your smartphones or your iPads, uh, wherever you have the Scriptures, to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Put your finger there and hold it just a second, and let's pray and ask God to help us with our journey. Are you ready? Let's pray. So, Lord, we are grateful that You, in Your great love, not only provided salvation by grace through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead, in our place, to make a way for us, but that you provided practical wisdom for daily living. Thank you for giving us your word as a field guide for good living. Now open our eyes, Lord, that we may see wonderful things from your word. Open our minds that we may understand the scriptures and unlock our spirits and grant us grace that we may respond to you uh, in awe and reverence and obedience. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is God's Word. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone. Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. Let's Swallow them alive like Sheol or hell, still healthy as they go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll all share our money. My son, don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run toward trouble and they hurry to commit murder. It is foolish to spread a net where any bird can see it, but they set an ambush to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. Now, God's word to us today sums up this way. You can become wise if you'll listen to the right people and reject the wrong people. So jot that down. You can go to sleep. Listen to the right people. Reject the wrong people. And he jumps in right where we were last week. We're going to repeat verses 8 and 9. And then tells us that we can become wise if we will listen to the right people. And he tells us in verse 8 that first and foremost, those people are our parents. Our, our, our mother and our father. And if we do, he says, they will be a garland of grace on our head and a gold chain around our neck. What he's saying here is this, 
find all the Christ-like, godly, wise people that you can in your life, more experienced, older than you, 10, 15, 20 years older than you, uh, and, and linger with them, hang out with them, learn from them. Listen, listen, we've all seen that Philly bumper sticker that says, uh, I need the answers to the you know world's problems. I'm going to quick hurry and ask my 15-year-old while he still knows everything. You know, you've seen that one. You know, don't be that kid. Don't be that kid. I can remember the day, honest to God, I'm confessing it. My dad's in heaven laughing now when I say it. When I stood in frustration at Bobby Moore's breakfast table and said, but I'm 15 years old. Imagine how that conversation went. He said, yes, you are. That's why you don't, you don't know anything. And so, uh, and he was right. I knew, that's about all I knew was how old I was, honestly. And so, uh, and if you're 15, that's about all you know. I love you. God bless you. But that's about all you know. And so he said, listen to your parents. They are God's gift to you. They are wise uh, and they, no one loves you more than they do. Learn from them. Now, uh, even those of us, if our parents are still alive, they've got a lot of years on us. And, and they, again, they've lived through some decades of life and seasons of life that we have not lived through. We watch them, but we don't know what it's like. Learn from them. Listen to them. Get all you can from them. Tell, ask them to tell you all their life lessons. Don't neglect asking their opinion. Now, they, you know, they're no longer your, your boss. They're no longer the chairman of your board of directors, but they are the most um, loving member of your board of advisors. And so learn from your parents if you're an adult, and uh, certainly if you're an adolescent or a child. But, you know, some of us were underparented. Some of us didn't have wise parents. Some of us didn't have godly parents. Some of us, uh, in fact, had some morally train-wrecked parents. Some of us even had abusive parents. Some of us had absentee parents, and we were underparented, and we did not have the wisdom of a, our earthly mother or father uh, to call upon. But in that case, our loving Heavenly Father gives us a spiritual family. He also gives us a spiritual family. It's called a church, a church family. And so He has surrounded you and me here at Dogwood Church with spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. In fact, in the New Testament, it speaks of how we are to relate to each other as members of a local church. Treat the older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters. Treat the older men as, as fathers, the younger men as sons in the faith and, and brothers. That's a great way to look at it. It's one of the reasons that you can be sure God wants you to be an intentional member to belong to a local church family because he wants to bless you with the wisdom that comes from spiritual mothers and fathers and those of you who are mature in the church family he wants to make you a blessing to the generations to come to the young men and young women who are 15 years younger than you and 20 years younger than you and then certainly the middle and high school students and the and the elementary kids he's given us the collective wisdom of uh, men and women of God who've been following Jesus for years and years and years and are wise in the ways of God, wise in the ways of His Word and, and the way life works, uh, and who are eager uh, to, to help. So take advantage of those. Uh, you children here, we may have some elementary kids here. Uh, 
you have wise men and women that God has appointed to be your life group leaders in the quest every Sunday morning. And, and take advantage of them. They are an additional blessing in your life. In addition to your mom and your dad. Uh, they are God called. They are, they are there to not only uh, guide you as to what they know and have learned of Jesus and His Word, but they are, they are there to pray for you and they're there to advise you and to help you and to listen closely to you and, and, and what you're uh, facing. Uh, so see them that way. Uh, members of most of our middle and high school students are down with our youth group meeting right now, but if you're a middle and high school student, listen, we have men and women in our church who serve as life group leaders for our middle school students and our high school students. And they are an additional voice of spiritual wisdom and guidance in everyday living uh, for you that uh, in addition to your parents. And they, so that's why they are there. Uh, so listen to them. Uh, learn from them. And let me speak to those of you who are life group leaders for elementary boys and girls or for middle and high school students. See yourselves as what you really are. God called men and women, spiritual advisors, uh, men of, and, and full of faith, women of full of faith in God's Holy Spirit, called by God to be an additional voice into the hearts and lives of, of middle and high school kids, of elementary boys and, and girls, uh, teaching them how to walk with Christ and navigate these difficulties of life. Don't see this as, well, they need somebody to be in the room. Or I hear some guy say, well, I'm going to go over here and try to do crowd control. with the No, 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 no. You have a, you have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity called and appointed by God Himself to be a source of spiritual wisdom and invest in the next generation. Other than raising your own kids to walk with God and unleashing them on the world, being a life group leader for the next generation may be the most important thing you do as long as you're on the planet. Because who knows what's going to come out of that class. I think of one, one man who, had a, who was a life group leader of a group of high school students. And out of that w one year in one group, bunch of, he thought a bunch of goofballs. You know, he didn't know if they were getting anything. Out of that group came, one of them is a headmaster of one of the largest Christian schools in the country. Uh, another is a pastor in Arkansas. Um, another is an international mission board missionary in Colombia to the indigenous peoples. He risks his life getting in canoes and going back into the revolutionary army controlled areas to take the gospel. He's doing that right now. He's doing that right now. Another is the new president of Compassion International. That's one life group in one church. Did that guy have any idea that was going to happen? No, just a bunch of high school kids. My soul. My soul. You, you just don't know. And that's why God created the church. Because everybody needs somebody wise to listen to. And you can be that person. If you can just get God to let you do it, sign up and invest in the next generation. Uh, start a, a, a transformed group for in our, in our uh, 50 days of transformation that's coming up, our spiritual growth campaign. You can sign up to be a host now. Find, why don't you grab two or three people of your own gender who are maybe, rather than just your friends, why don't you pick some guys who are 15 or 20 years younger than you? You know, in my life now, there's way more of them than they used to be. 
and um, and so there's a lot of pickings out there. And so get two or three of those guys and and, and do a transformed group uh, across the next seven weeks as it comes up in October. And by all means, if you're not in a group, get in one. You need the collective wisdom of other brothers and sisters in Christ to get God's wisdom for daily living. Now, what are these people telling you? What are these people telling you? Well, look at verse 9. It says that God is saying that the wisdom that they pass on to you will be like a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. Here's what God is saying to you and me. Let me see your eyeballs a second. In the balcony. Ready? Here we go. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you will listen to me and my wisdom, I will make you attractive. And attractive in the very best definition of the word. He's saying, if you will listen to me and my wisdom, I will make you impressive. I will make you winsome. I will make your life a beautiful life. I will make you a a people magnet. Because God's wisdom is beautiful. God's wisdom is impressive. God's wisdom is, uh, is attractive. Uh, God's wisdom makes you nice to know. Uh, remember the story in the first week of the series, King Solomon, when the two prostitutes came to him and they were arguing over one baby, whose baby was it? And he made that incredibly, took that incredibly wise action in judgment to settle the issue. Well, what happened? That the, the, they were, people were stunned and the, the word of his wisdom spread throughout the kingdom. What? He was impressive. What made him impressive? God's wisdom. God's wisdom. We want, we want God to turn, those of us who are followers of Jesus, to turn us into wise, godly people so that when, we, when people in our community, our neighbors and our classmates and our work associates, uh, when they encounter us or when they come and, and, and are with us, like some of you are this morning as guests as we've gathered here as a church family, we want to become the kind of people that where they might say, you know, I don't really believe what they believe about God, but I've got to admit, those people are kind and those people are fair and they are not in it for themselves. I, I'm, I admire them. I'm attracted to whatever's causing that. God, make us, make us that way. Make us that way. He needs us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And it comes from walking with Christ and having Him rub off on us with His wisdom. The book of Colossians describes uh, this transformation. It says that when we take off and set aside our sexual immorality, our impurity, our lust, our greed, when we rip off like a dirty shirt our anger, our wrath, our malice, our slander, our filthy language from our mouths, uh, and instead, uh, here's the language it uses, put on Christ. We put on Christ and the new life and the wisdom that He brings to our lives, it looks like this, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, the patience of Jesus. Pastor Ray Ortland writes again in his little book on Proverbs, anyone can sniff out the difference between someone who is proud and self-important and someone who is kind and sincere. Which one is admired? The one that's kind and sincere. Well, when we listen to the Lord Jesus and His wisdom from His Word and from wise people, it rubs off on us and we become more like Him. So you can become wise if you'll listen to the right people. 
and if you will reject the wrong people. Look at verses 10 through 19. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone. Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. Let's swallow them alive like Sheol or hell. Let's uh, still alive as they go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll share all our money. My son, don't do it, he says. Now, some of you might be saying right now, well, pastor, I've got to admit, I'm a little surprised at the subject here. I mean, so we're just starting this great book of wisdom and so God's going to teach us all this wisdom about practical living. And the very first thing He tells us is don't join a gang. I was never thinking about joining a gang. I don't know of a gang. Now, we may have a little gang activity in our county. We don't have much, relatively speaking, to some parts of the city. Uh, but so, now, what, violence, gang violence, why is He... What, he brings that up first thing? What, where's the truth in that for... For us, practically, well, here's how we're going to find it. Jump ahead to verse 19. Jump ahead to verse 19. You see it? Here's what it says. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. Now, here's what he's talking about there. Here's, write down one word, the word greed. Talking about greed. And he's saying, God is saying here to you and me, refuse and reject Greed, because it eventually leads to violence and will destroy you. It will not help you. He's saying that, that we, being greedy for dishonest profit, for unjust gain, it's all gain by violence in one form or another. And you and I will, will encounter people like this everywhere in our lives, and they will seek to recruit us. And we find it everywhere. We find it in bullies at school. We find it with terrorists in the Middle East. We find it with racists out in Harrelson County, where I grew up, who treat a segment of the population as non-persons. We, but mo you know where I'm most disturbed at this? I'm most disturbed in my own heart when I realize this kind of greed shows up when, when we need bad things to happen to some other person in order to feel good about ourselves in order to justify ourselves, gossiping, gossiping about a, gossiping another's reputation to death, splitting a church maybe. I had, to ask, I had to ask myself this question, and so it was pretty rough on me. I gave myself a test, and I didn't do too good, so I'm going to let you all enjoy it too a little bit. Here, here's the test. Are you genuinely happy when other people succeed at something you really wished you could succeed at? Or do you feel envy, maybe even resentment deep down inside? I see this in pastors. One day I woke up and was I was horrified to discover years ago when we were starting this church, and I was wanting our church to grow so dramatically, I realized one day that I was envious of some other pastors in their churches and how well they were doing, and they were pastors who loved me. I was horrified to discover that that was in my heart. It shows up that way in other pastors. It shows up sometimes 
God help you, I want to be very gentle here. It shows up sometimes with those of you young ladies who desperately want children and none tend to come. And you're unable to rejoice with your friends who do conceive. Now, we went through years of infertility. I, I, I was not Allison. It's a bigger deal. It was a bigger deal for her than, than me. But what is that in us? It's okay to grieve our own unmet desires. But it's another step to take when we not only grieve our own desires, but we, we can't rejoice even with people who love us, if they succeed. Sometimes in, our, in the Western culture, the, the, the greatest way to create enemies is to be successful. What is that in us? It's greed. It's a form of greed. And it causes a type of, it leads to a type of violence. You know, there are, there are legitimate. There are many uh, polite, legal, even religious ways of expressing the greed that leads to dishonest prophets. Here, and so dishonest prophets. What's he talking about there? He's really describing any any success that comes by stepping on or over others. It's being willing to step on or over others to, to either be or do or have something we want. Whatever that is. Position, possessions, power, doesn't matter. Anything that we're willing to step on or over someone else to be or do or have. Yeah, that's what he's describing here. See, I thought when I started to study this passage, I thought I was safe on this one. And then I discovered he's writing all about me. I discovered once again, I'm a sinful person in need of a Savior. I'm still a sinful person in need of a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Gospel. That's why we, it drives us when we understand these things. It drives us to the, to the cross. It drives us to grace. It drives us to, to the one who said, I'll die in your place and I'll justify you, I'll forgive you. We give up trying to perform and earn our way into God's uh, acceptance. So who and what are the sinners he's talking about here? Well, who are these sinners who will entice us? Well, in one sense, we're all sinners, aren't we? Just like I described. I mean, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Right? Right? Sure. Uh, the Apostle Paul himself said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the very worst of them. So who's he talking about here? He's not, he's not talking about uh, everyone in general. He's describing habitual, chronic, happy, willing sinners who are in open rebellion and revolt against the God of heaven and have no remorse and have no intention of, of, uh, of repenting. It's, it's being habitual. It's being happy in our sin. He's describing these guys. Uh, he's not describing those of us who are imperfect followers of Jesus who wrestle with 
temptation and principalities and powers of darkness and our own sinfulness every day and sometimes fail at it, but who are remorseful and repent and put our trust in Jesus and we did, we really want to love Jesus and obey Him out of our love for Him. He's not describing those. He's describing people who have no remorse, who enjoy their sins and pursue them enthusiastically and, in, and recruit others to join in with them, uh, who call good uh, evil and evil good. Paul described it in Philippians 3, uh, verses 18 and 19. He says, I've often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. In other words, they glory in what they should be ashamed of. And we see it all the time. So he's saying here, whenever sinners entice you, not if. Now, in, in some translations it says, if sinners entice you. But the little Hebrew word trans, preposition translated if is a word that carried with, the, carried with it the idea of certainty. Not if, but when. Because it's always going to happen. There are now in your life and in my life, and there will always be people that you love, people that you like, people who are important to you, people who are valuable, classmates, boyfriends, girlfriends, bosses, work associates, cousins, unfortunately sometimes even parents, uh, who will seek to recruit you to join them in disobeying God. Right? Yeah, you might be sitting next to them right now. And, and it's easy to resist the persuasion of people that we're not close to or that we don't care about all that much, but it's not easy to resist the persuasion of those that we love and like and who are valuable to us. But what the Bible's saying here is this, choose your friends carefully. The Scriptures say in another place, bad company corrupts good morals. Just true. It's just true. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, in other places, God says to you and me as His followers, we are to offer our, our love and our friendship to everybody possible on the planet. What he's saying here is, is the people you choose to listen to, the people you choose to influence your life, uh, the people who are, you look to for wisdom, they can't be these people. They've got to be the others we described. We're to, we're to, we're to be, seek to influence people who are far from God to come to faith in Christ, but the people that we seek to, to be our closest friends, not these guys. No matter how valuable they are, no matter how much we love them and care for them, choose your friends carefully. You know, I'm 62 years old now, and I realize I don't have as much bandwidth as I used to have. I don't have as much energy as I used to have. I don't have as much mental concentration. I told somebody up by the coffee pot earlier, I know I've met you before, but good grief, what's your name? You know, it's happening all the time. And some of you, you're just, you know, you're going to come up and say, I bet you don't remember me and you're going to be joking with me. And I'm going to say, you're right, I don't. Now, well, I guarantee you, at least five will do it because they'll think I'm kidding. 
but don't put me to the test. You're going to be disappointed. I mean, I just don't have the bandwidth I used to have. And I don't, and I don't have bandwidth for as many people as I used to have. And I'm an extrovert. You know, my idea of a nice, quiet evening at home, most of my life was light a fire, curl up in front of the fire with a good book, and invite 40 of my closest friends over to help me read it. Not anymore. Not anymore. And so I'm having to choose the people closest to me wisely. Now, you're to be very careful here. But let me ask you a question. Who are the people in your life right now who tend to drag you down and interfere with your walk with Christ? Who are they? Who are the people who make it easier for you to sin? Let's put it that way. Because the people who make it easy for you to disobey God, they may be valuable to you. They may like you. You may like them. You may love them. But they are not your friends. What relationships in your life must you now, if you're going to align yourself with the wisdom of God, what relationships in the marketplace, on the job, at home, at school, what relationships do you need from which you need to withdraw at least for a period of time? Which ones are they? Write them down. And some of you can't afford to do it gradually. Some of you are going to have to pick up the phone and say, this is it, you'll never hear from me again. Today, you know, it's usually a boyfriend girlfriend thing. You just gotta. I'm just gonna kind of ease out. Mm-mm. Who is it? Who is it? Because you can be wise if you'll listen to the right people and reject the wrong ones. Now. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 104, verse 35, a, a startling prayer to me. Startling. Here's what he said. May sinners vanish from the earth and wicked people be no more. Wow. That is God's plan. Wait a minute. That's God's plan? May the wicked vanish from the earth and... And, and, and may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked people not even exist anymore? Yes, but he has a favorite way of causing that to happen. Found in Psalm 25, verse 8. The Lord is good and upright, therefore He shows sinners the way. The way that God likes to eliminate the wicked and the sinners from the world is to turn them into His fo- loving followers to transform their lives, to forgive them their sins, to give them a new heart, to change them from the inside out, to give them His gift of abundant life here and eternal life there, and uh, create love in their hearts for Him and changes everything. That's God's favorite way. So there's great hope for those of you here today who just might be checking things out, but you have no remorse for living apart from Christ. You know, hey, that's me. I'm in open rebellion against God. I couldn't care less. But there's hope for you. Because He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will offer you the salvation that comes through faith alone in His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it comes by repenting of our sin. That means turning away from our self-righteous, sin-driven 
life, stopping trying to be good enough to earn our way to God and giving up and putting our faith in Christ who died on the cross, atoned for our sin, completely rose from the dead, proving He had the power to do that very thing, and who offers to you forgiveness of sin, a full life here, a relationship with God here and in eternity. We just say, Lord, I'm I'm trusting in You. You can do that right now. So why don't we pray? Let's pray for just a moment. And why don't you ask Christ to come into your heart and life? Commit To the best of your understanding, commit control of your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are already followers of Christ, let's pray now that God would help us with today's lesson on wisdom. Teach us, Lord, to listen to the right people and to reject the wrong. So, Heavenly Father, thank You for making a way for moral and spiritual foul-ups just like me to be forgiven, to be adopted as Your children, to be given Your Holy Spirit as a down payment on eternal life there in the next life with You and power to live life with You here in this life. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word and giving us wisdom in Your ways. And Lord, I want to thank You for those who have committed their life to You as Lord and Savior today. And I want to thank You for those here in our church family who've committed to take the practical steps toward wisdom as a result of Your Word. To be more like You. To be made holy. For You are holy. You are pure. You are absolutely righteous. In You is light. And there is no darkness at all. Thank You, Lord. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.